welcome to Technology Beats in Education. Today's episode is going to cover hacking your assessment. So we were reading through the book, Hacking Assessment, 10 Ways to Go Gradeless in a Traditional Grade School, written by Star Saxstein. And my professor posed five different questions for us to cover. So I'm just going to kind of run through those and give you my thoughts and perspectives on them based on what I read in this book, as well as some other materials that I looked at. So first up is grades seldom represent what students know and can do. Discuss your views on this matter. I think the biggest takeaway I got on this particular topic is I agree that grades don't represent what students actually know and can do at the point of the grade. So in the book on page 87, there are some bullet points and I think all of them are pretty spot on, but the big one that I wanna focus on is Averaging grades diminishes student learning to one number. So if you think about it, day one, your students come in, they don't know the material, they don't know the skills, they don't know how to do what they need to do to be at 100% mastery. So they may make, let's say 50% of what the grade points could be. But over the course of the semester, they work to improve that. And by the end of the semester, they're mastering that skill or that knowledge. They're able to prove that they have, they can understand and work with that information. But their grades have to be averaged from day one until day, let's say 75. So when you start averaging those days together, is that really a true representation of what the student now knows? And that's all that you see is the fact that the student has a letter or a number grade that averaged her, their entire experience in that course. And so to me, I think that doesn't represent what they're, what they're able to do. So then over on page 94, in the hack in action, there was a pretty um, impressive, I thought, thought process behind what are we really measuring when we have grades? So in recent years, I've moved away from assigning numerical grades to my students' work. Instead, we focus on levels of proficiency, no information, advancing toward the goal, meeting goal, excelling past goal when talking about their demonstration of learning. In addition to the marker of proficiency comes consistent and copious amounts of feedback. A numerical grade or description of one's level of proficiency means next to nothing without explanatory feedback. I think that's super important that you have the grade, but you have no sense of feedback. You have no understanding of how that student has progressed. And then there's two other points I wanted to highlight from the book. One was covered on page, let's see, pages 100 to 102. And it's talking about teaching your students to reflect on the process of learning. And what reflection does is that allows students to get an understanding of what they have learned, what they've accomplished. So some questions that they suggested you could ask is, what was my understanding of the task in my own words? What did I do to achieve success on the task? What challenges did I face and how did I overcome them? Which standards did I meet and what evidence from my work supports that assessment? What goals did I set and meet? What do I still need to work on? And if I had the opportunity to do it again, what would I do differently? 
And so I think teaching them how to do reflection is important, but that's a very um, compelling piece there to have them do that reflection. And that's going to show more about what they know and what they're able to do. And then one last point on this particular question that I'll highlight was found on page 108, and this just kind of resums it up. The traditional structure of education doesn't really allow for formal written reflection. We must spend time teaching students to think about their learning and the process they completed to get there. So that's my thoughts on, on the first discussion point. The second one comes up with of teacher assessment, self-assessment, and peer assessment, which is the most valuable for learning and why? And then what would be some key technologies you could use to enhance any of these forms of assessment? So I think of the three assessment types listed, that self-assessment is the most valuable for learning. And I think just going back to the previous question and thinking about how students can reflect on their learning, determine where they succeeded, where they had bumps in the road, where they need to learn more, helps them discover where they need to go next. A teacher can see stuff from the outside, but don't maybe understand what's going on within the student's head and how they're really processing information. So let me flip over in the book to page 93. And I thought this was um, kind of a spot on point here. And this is in another one of the hack and action pieces within the Sack Science book. So page 93, teaching is an art form. It is a delightful dance of perspective taking and feedback. Paradoxically, the most impactful teaching is often invisible to the learner. The teacher exists in the background to listen attentively and offer feedback when necessary. When this is done effectively, students learn how to learn. Increasingly complex adaptive challenges help develop learner curiosity, passion, and efficacy. As a teacher, you succeeded when you walk into the classroom and you know the students no longer need you. Independence has to be the supreme goal. So I think that's pretty spot on for this question of why would you want to make sure that your students can do it on their own? Because you want them to be able to do this independently without you. So I think that that kind of sums that up. One other piece that I would want to bring up is on page 111. And on page 111 in this text, they focused on what you can do tomorrow and introduce the difference between reflection and self-evaluation to the students. So when there's a no grades mindset, it's kind of hard to maybe turn that discussion from you're evaluating how well you can do the skill to reflecting on the learning process involved to get there. So making students aware of that as they start this reflecting process. So some key technologies that I think could be used to enhance any of these forms of assessment is some sort of journal you know, an electronic journal could be just a Google Doc. It could be something in um, like a blog. Um, anything that would be able to allow students to reflect on their work and put that in a process so they could see it over time. And I know later in my discussion today, I'll talk a little bit more about digital portfolios. And so I think having this added piece of this journal, this ongoing blog of student learning would help. And that's something that peers then can evaluate as well if it's put in a public 
um, platform like that and then teachers can do that and you could turn on comments and things like that and have the peers interact with each other through those tools so the next question uh, refers to connecting learning to standards is critical if an assessment is to facilitate effective learning only by connecting to standards can we develop curriculum instruction and assessment in harmony to improve student learning And again, from the text, um, Hacking Assessment, on page 103, step three talks about teach the standards and skills. If reflection is to be effective, students must understand the standards they aim to master. Help students understand why they are working on specific projects. What are they supposed to be learning? How do these skills align with content and standards? And how does the work connect with other learning? And it says to devote class time to reviewing the standards that apply to each project, assignment, or unit before you get started and then refer to them throughout. Make sure students have internalized the expectations and are able to talk about them on their own terms. And so I think having that connection is vitally important because that's what's going to influence what happens in the future. If you're taking a reflective approach and you're having your students reflect on these connections, this will help impact over time how you may adjust the course, how you change the, how you do the instruction piece, how you assess it, and maybe the curriculum itself over time. I know throughout the course we looked at that kind of, I called it the CIA model, but the curriculum instruction assessment and how they all three interact with each other and they each improve the other as we work through in it in a cycle it's not a linear process so number four is data and education is never going to go away so if we can find more efficient ways to gather and use it then both our practice and our students improve and this was a quote from the text on page 75 so i'm asked do i agree with this statement and how can technology help in this matter and i do agree with it i think data is never going to go away there's going to be more and more of it and unfortunately it, it takes up time sometimes that we don't think it's as valuable as to being in the classroom working with the students but it's super important to influencing how we move forward in our classes how we work with our students and meet their needs so i definitely think that's a very valid point but i will want to cover a couple things out of the text for this one first is digitizing this collection so how you collect the data should be digitized. And first you can do that through a simple Google form through um, some of the other collaborative tools within Google. There's SurveyMonkeys, there's other types of survey tools that you could use for this. You could even use some of the like Kahoot and some of the other Quizlet type um, tools that are done in class as long as you can pull that data down. But one thing that was highlighted in the book, which I think is, is good to point out, is as you think about how you're going to digitize your assessments and your data for future purposes, there's a blueprint that starts on page 70, and it says to create a template that you can reuse and revise. So keep it simple and just add to it where you can and change it up as you go. But it goes on to remind you to review the data, adjust your instruction based on the data, and even share the data with colleagues who teach the same students. 
continue to update information as the year progresses and back up and label your data. So you're not just building a spreadsheet and putting it in a folder and never touching it again. You're reviewing it. You are adjusting based on it. So we need to have that reflective um, thought process as we move through it. And I think something that she highlighted as well in this text is having your students work be the data. So if you're doing assessments in Google Forms, let's say, you can pull that over into a spreadsheet and then you have that information for later where you can see where the students gauge in a particular area. And one other thing I wanna point out with this is in the text that we read by Overton earlier on the, the course, Assessing Learners with Special Needs and Applied Approach, we talked about how important it is to collect data over time for evaluation assessment for students with special needs so that we can evaluate whether the interventions that we're applying to their learning experiences are working or not working and how we may need to tweak those over time. So I thought that was important to bring into this piece. One other thing I wanted to highlight was in a text called Classroom Assessment Techniques for Librarians written by Bowles Terry and Cassandra, I'm going to butcher her last name, Vinland, K-V-E-N-I-L-D. In the introduction, they talk about Megan Oakleaf's Information Literacy Instruction Assessment Cycle. And it's a cycle, and it's continually gaining data and reusing it. So it talks about enact decisions, review learning goals, identify learning outcomes, create learning activities, enact those learning activities, gather data to check learning, interpret data, and then you start back over at enact decisions. So this is a continual process. So data is going to be around and data is what's going to help us as we move forward. And then the last question to cover is how can digital portfolios positively contribute to the overall improvement of effective learning? And back to the original text, Hacking Assessment, pages 121 to 127 really focused in on this more. But I'll highlight just the very first um, sentence on 121. A report card is supposed to be a window into a student's learning. Unfortunately, the light is usually out on the inside. And you do think you could look at a report card and it's just a snapshot, you know, but it would give you an idea of what students are learning. And it really doesn't. So how can you make that happen? So an alternative is to do digital portfolios. So have your students build a collection of all of their work over the course of your class. And not only does this give them an artifact they can take with them to their next classes, they could also use this as, depending on what level of schooling you're teaching, it could help them get into college, get into graduate school, get a career going. But the big takeaway I found is on page 126, she talks about Students become better, more metacognitive learners when they go through this process and evidence of their learning will be obvious as they talk about their growth. So collecting it and putting it together in a portfolio 
provides them that metacognitive processing that needs to happen about their learning, which helps improve learning overall. So I think that is the key takeaway that I took from our text about hacking your assessment. So I look forward to our next podcast. Thanks for listening.